This is Hermophobia number 28. I'm Alan. And I'm Mark. I'm Ross. And we're here to finish talking up about, finish talking about <laughs> the films of 1973. Um, it's been fun thus far. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't believe how much, like how many like movies that I missed before that this has given me a chance to see. I, I love this. Yeah, it's, it's a great time to catch up and, and, and look at and especially these early 70 films there's a lot of them that I haven't seen and that you know I tried to catch up as much as possible before sitting down here and it's just it's a great opportunity to sort of take in uh, a lot of the stuff that is sort of missing from from my film vocabulary yeah we, we think about 72 Godfather 74 Godfather 2 when you look in the early 70s we, we, we tend to miss a lot um time to fill in the blanks and there's a lot of good blanks to fill in <laughs> so let's blank it okay. alright what does it matter to you when you got a job to do you gotta do it well you got to give the other bell a So we're going to talk about um, some actors or actresses or whatever they would be, the stars of 1973, people that um, may have made a big career breakthrough or maybe just a, a big impression on us. So why don't you kick us off here, Mark? Alrighty. Um, uh, my list is in no particular order, so I hope you remember that. Uh, my my first guy is Edward G. Robinson in Soil and Green. Oh. This yeah, this was his last film before he died. Uh, a very very subtle performance. It was it was it was beautifully done. Like I don't understand why I hadn't known that he was such a good actor before I saw this this movie. But oh yeah, it was great. Great movie. Great movie. Um, it was uh, actually made from a 1966 movie or. Excuse me, a book by Harry Harrison. Yes, I've read a lot of Harry Harrison's books. Actually, it was called "Make Room, Make Room," and um, by 1973, people were kind of scared that when the movie came out, people would go see a movie and think "Make Room, Make Room" was a Denny Kay pilot for uh, "Make Room for Daddy." So they had to change it to "Soylent Green," which wasn't in the original book. It was mm -hmm. actually. Um, they had Soylent Stakes in the original uh, mm. book, but they didn't have Soylent Green. So Soylent Green was a totally new new idea, and um, the rest is history. All righty. My next actor was uh, Dustin Hoffman and Papillon, Papillon, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, he was at his method acting best in it. Uh, he played that little... Small little creepy guy that uh, he he refused to jump off the cliff with. Uh, Why well, can never remember his name? Steve McQueen. Thank you for not reminding me. Um, 
Next up, I have Al Pacino. Was, uh, and... was, was, hmm? was Hoffman wearing his underwear? Did he catch Wapner in time? Like, how method was he? <laughs> he was of the same of the same style then Ooh, too. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Except uh, kind of like uh, kind of like Ratso in uh, uh, Rhinestone Cowboy. Gotcha. Yeah. No, not Rhinestone Cowboy. Cowboy. Fuck. You know what? I don't know what's sadder that you said that or that I actually do what you meant. <laughs> Midnight Cowboy. Would Thank be the you. Thank you. Uh, next up, I have Al Pacino in Serpico. Uh, I've already explained this. Um, but I thought he did, he, did, he did a great job. Um, Tatum O'Neill in Paper Moon. Yeah. Uh, as her as her first performance, uh, it was fantastic. Yeah. And yeah, the fact that she won the Oscar for it too is like I I didn't know when I when I did up my list that that she had won up that she had won the Oscar for that one. But just a brilliant little performance. I I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, my number one, not necessarily my number one. But I have it. I have I have them numbered, but they're not necessarily in order. But uh, Martin Sheen in Badlands, um, yeah, just uh, I liked his performance in it. it was just very well done. A lot of bravado, especially at the end when he was being uh, transported in the airplane. Yeah, he was so great in that scene. Yeah, he was good. Yeah. Uh, How about you, Ross? What you got yeah. for us? For our best actor, um, well. A memorable actor. I go with. Um, well, I really enjoyed uh, Ryan O'Neill in the Paper Ch- or Paper Moon. My goodness, <laughs> there's a lot of paper movies that year, <laughs> and um, I really enjoyed the way that he uh, riff. Well, I think the fact that Tatum O'Neill did so well in the movie was the fact her father was in the movie too, and he. Um, if you read that book in the bathroom, that would you know how false uh, that is. <laughs> I need to read the book. I need to read the book, but I haven't read it yet, so um, I can't say much more than that. Um, really, any anything else? Uh, I really enjoyed Gene Hackman's role in Scarecrow. There's a there's a movie that a lot of people don't think about either. When you bring up Gene Hackman's name, you think about uh, the French Connection. You think about Poseidon Adventure. You don't think about Scarecrow. And I you think, think of Al Pacino. <laughs> Later on, yes, you don't think about Scarecrow. And both Al Pacino and Gene Hackman were in this movie. And Gene Hackman in this movie, for some strange reason, that's uh, beyond. Um, comprehension is is a stud he <laughs> in every scene i break this movie into three acts and there's in each act he gets laid he gets laid um <laughs> he picks up some girl not the best girl or the greatest girl or or anything else it's some you know the, the little hanger-ons but um he gets he gets the girl every every act Pacino can do his um he can he's shouting out into the um ether and he's doing his thing and nobody really pays attention to him but Gene Hackman he scores and it's really interesting um otherwise this movie's it's it's quite interesting I wouldn't wouldn't rate up there at the top or anything else um he's his, his pairing with women kind of jumps all over the place you look at um Bonnie and Clyde, where Estelle Parsons was supposed to be his wife. Do you know who that is? 
she played the mom, like Roseanne's mom in Roseanne, the TV series. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Oh. Like not not a real beauty queen. <laughs> and Valerie uh, in Superman. Valerie Perron, exactly. Perron. And, um, Which, by the way, in 1973, Valerie Perron was the first person to be nude on public television in a show called Bathhouse on PBS. Hmm. Huh. Trailblazer. <laughs> <laughs> Master of the Segway, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so we got something else for us there, Ross. No, I have nothing. After Gene Hackman, I, I don't know how to top Gene Hackman in 1973. <laughs> he was like the uber uber stud, man. <laughs> All right. Well, on my list, I also had uh, Tatum O'Neill. You're, you're dead on, Mark, that she just, she really, really, um, she, she was she was amazing in this. You She's very natural. Um, she tenacious, just a really, really great um, oh, yes. character. And it reminded me of uh, I want my two dollars. So <laughs> I, was like, Alan, I want she, my two hundred dollars. Did she really smoke in that movie? Was it, yes, it yeah. looked yeah, like because yeah. she was inhaling did, and everything. Like, did she like like and and swear and everything else? Nowadays, there's all these all these uh, policies in effect when you have child actors. Yeah. And did you notice uh, another another? Uh, theme that i saw in in movies in 73 is that they seem to put their actors in danger a lot uh okay in don't look now uh, the little girl under the water that wasn't a dummy that was the little girl um tatum o'neill jumping on the truck as it's moving <laughs> it's like, oh yeah that, that was at the end yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, true it's like crazy stuff yeah well, they're disposable. You can always squirt another one out, right? <laughs> um, also on my list, I had uh, Jason Miller for The Exorcist. This guy was, I mean, he was really kind of the heart of this movie. And he was a writer who had, um, he, he wasn't in for an addition or anything like that. They just, they liked his look and brought him in on the film. And he was Father Karras. Like, he just, he, he portrayed all of the doubt and despair that this man was going through perfectly i just i i think he's fantastic and i don't think i've seen him in anything else except um the ninth configuration and the exorcist 3 he had a small part in um any anything on jason miller no nope. uh also i had actually my next two are kind of pairings um people that have just you know they be they become iconic pairings i've got robert redford and barbara streisand for the way we were I think you can say the way we were, and anybody will just completely puke right back at you. Barbara Streisand, Robert Redford. Well, no, I I just get that song stuck in my head. Um, yeah, but I mean, they they were the the iconic odd couple, and and uh, made every less than beautiful woman think that she could have, you know, the dude. Are you saying Babs isn't beautiful? In her way. <laughs> <laughs> Also, Paul Newman and Robert Redford, they reteamed for The Sting after doing uh, Butch uh, Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And, you know, these guys were great when they teamed up. And, yeah, and, yeah, such such a natural pairing, too. They, yeah. they seem yeah. so, so well, well fit together. And mm-hmm. my last one is Ellen Burstyn in The Exorcist. I, I watch The Exorcist probably every six to eight months, whether I need to or not, just to watch her performance. To watch her go through what she goes through in that film and be convincing like to, to see a mother through the whole thing and not see a victim or um i just it just it blows me away 
to watch her just teetering on the edge of, of her own sanity with all this craziness that's going on and still be focused that I want my kid back. I want my kid back. That's not my kid. She's, she's amazing. And this was, you know, it really made her one of the A-list um, for, for that time. Yeah, I, I, I'd have to agree. Beautiful performance. Great. All right, so those were the actors of uh, of 1973. How about some directors, Mark? Alrighty. Um, again, not in any particular order, although on my paper they are numbered, so you just be quiet. Uh, Terrence Malick for Badlands. Uh, yeah, this this was the prototypical, yeah, uh, true romance and uh, natural born killers, and it was. Very well done. I just I well, enjoyed also it. Through the beautifully 70s, shot too. Also through the seventies, Terrence Malick had such a really small body of work. It was only mm-hmm. into the late nineties, after Days of Heaven, I believe, that he started making films again. And for a long, long time, he was considered, and and still is by many, to be one of the greatest filmmakers alive, based on Badlands and um, Days of Heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, I had uh, George Lucas and American Graffiti. Like he really captured that that era. I thought. Um, I know you didn't care for it that much, but uh, uh, I I did. I I liked it. I drove down Modesto, California, and it mm-hmm. totally. I could feel it. I could totally mm-hmm. feel it driving down there. Middle of the day, though, not the same. Yeah, and plus different, he didn't have all the different time, or... different place. But you could you could really feel that he mm. he captured a moment, and you and totally could feel it. Yeah, uh, I had uh, Robert Altman for the long goodbye, just because of how of how smooth and how natural that 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 movie felt, and uh, I rather enjoyed the ending. Yeah, <laughs> uh, William Friedkin for The Exorcist. Uh, scared the pants off me when I was a kid, and I thank him for that. Uh, Peter Bogdanovich for Paper Moon. Stunning, stunning movie. Like just, I I enjoyed the 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 feel of the movie, uh, the black and white film. It was just actually I think I have two black and white movies in this, don't I? Yeah, Terrence Malick Badlands was in black and white too, right? No, no, it wasn't. Really? No. <laughs> Or maybe I was just seeing in black and white that night. Never mind. <laughs> but yeah, Paper Moon. Awesome. Awesome movie. And again, another movie that I had known about, but I never had any, I had any real interest in seeing it until we were doing this podcast. So I thought, hey, I'll see it. I'm glad I did. That's everything? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll jump in here because we've got a bit of overlap. Um, I've got Terrence Malick on my list as well. Um, William Friedkin, this, you know, this was his, I have email. (laughs) (laughs) Um, this was his, uh, follow up to, uh, the uh, French connection. This would be a career high for him for a very long time. Um, he really, I, Sorcerer is a, a huge critical success, but it didn't perform very well in theaters, and he didn't really shine again until he did um, uh, To Live and Die in L.A. Mm-hmm. 
And oh, that was a good movie. That yeah, one. and I mean, he's he's one of these talents that really doesn't seem to have, you know, for somebody who was um, as as big as he was emerging back then, to really kind of fizzle out the way he did is kind of surprising. But he did do Bug. Was that last year? The year before? Which uh, I thought yeah, a couple was, years ago. Yeah. yeah, which I thought was such a huge return to form. I, you can see so much of the Exorcist in Bug just with the the buildup of tension and the yeah yeah. yeah. Um. I also have on my list uh, Peter Bogdanovich. Again, um, this is going to be the last film in a in a big winning streak for him. He seemed to have let his uh, cock get in the way and um, wanted yeah. to make uh, Civil Shepherd a really big star after this. So he had a rooster. No, I'm talking about a little one in his pants. But he had I a mean, small he's, rooster. He's, he's had some shining uh, points afterwards with uh, Mask. And as far as I'm concerned, Texasville, anybody who doesn't like it can suck it. <laughs> suck on his rooster. That's right. And <laughs> um, and now he's actually, he's he's really quite successful as a character actor now. I just saw him in um, some comedy movie playing somebody's dad. And he was on Sopranos and stuff like that. So, um, Also, I have Brian De Palma. This was the year that he kind of um, sort of showed what he was made out of with uh, Sisters. He um, emulates Hitchcock quite a bit, quite a bit. But he, you start seeing him develop his own distinctive style: the split cam, um, the 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 unflinching um, eye that he gives the viewer to sort of see maybe more than they want to see. Great movie, and I, I I think from now right up to Scarface, De Bama, De Bama. The Palma just the kept, bomb. The Palma, he just kept knocking him out of the park. Yeah. And my last one is Nicholas Rogue, who did uh, Don't Look Now in 1973, and I think that this man helped change um, the language of film with with this film. He the the editing in the movie the, and the foreshadowing. Was... Well, the 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 style, the mm-hmm. story's uh, telling style is very cool. Yes. Um, but I mean, so much technical stuff—the editing, the, the cinematography, um, the use of Steadicam, the use of um, just stringing his films together visually, or his his shots together visually, mm-hmm. um, his use of color—it's um, just—it's amazing. And he he did that sex scene with uh, Julie Julie Christie and Donald Sutherland, which is so graphic but so tasteful. I mean, you don't, you don't get the titters. You don't, there's nothing. Repelling oh, I saw it. some titters. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not sitting there yeah. going, tee hee hee, look at, yeah. you know. Um, well, then you should choose it, your words more carefully. It was sir. so, it was so tastefully done. I just, I think Nicholas Rogue, um, this was, this was a career peak for him. Mm-hmm. How about you, Ross? Yeah, I'll, I'll start off with Nicholas Rogue. Um, I will go, 30 years into the future with uh, what he's done and look at Guy Ritchie, another Brit uh, director and uh, Edgar Wright who did Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. Um, Both uh, directors who are known for their, I'm going to call it machine gun editing. You know, um, one scene after another to uh, get, get a certain point or or feeling across and and i watched i i honestly never saw 
um, Don't Look Now until a couple weeks ago, and I could see it too. I could see where the inspiration was. I also didn't know about the character in that movie, um, the 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 uh, murderer with the red raincoat. How much it permeated into uh, modern day. Uh, a lot of shows yeah. from absolutely fabulous had it. Yeah. They had mm-hmm. a homage to it. A lot of Brit shows take, uh, you know, they 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 pay their dues to uh, Nicholas Roeg, and and um, I I can see that now. Well, Jerry Argento used it in um, uh, uh, Phenomena as well. It was called Creepers in North America. Um, yeah, the red raincoat is it, it, it's become. There's at least a, two dozen. Um, it's a very iconic uh, yeah. film image, yeah. Well, yeah. even um, Steven Soderbergh, he borrowed that whole shot of the the sex scene in um, um, Out of Sight, where you had you know yeah. Julie Christie and Donald Sutherland getting dressed from and, and cutting back to the sex that they had before getting dressed, kind of thing, right? Which and, was which at the time was totally not Nicholas Rogue. Um, the sex scene was 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 sort of. It was unexpected that he was gonna he was gonna show foreshadowing of what was gonna happen next. He he wasn't into that. He was. He, I, I when I think of Nicholas Rogue, I always think of uh, Ken Russell as well. These guys that yeah. were really really maverick. I mean, his films prior to this, he did a performance in 1970, co-directed it with uh, somebody else. I can't remember. Um, which starred Mick Jagger, and it was one of the kind of the cult uh, counterculture films. And then he followed that up with a Walkabout, which was that uh, um, was it Australian or New Zealand film about the native that was just basically wandering around the desert. And then after that was was this. And I, some of his subsequent stuff I really, really like. Um, but it hasn't been successful. He hasn't been yeah. in, I think probably his most successful film would be this and probably The Witches. Yeah, and but and, and the man who fell to earth, right? but I think that's more of a like I was sort of I sort of meant commercially successful. Yeah. Man to earth, man who fell to earth was uh, it, it's become such a cult film. I don't, but I don't think it was very but successful it, when it was released. It's mm-hmm. funny because Puffball has a lot of the same. You can totally see Nicholas Rogue making Puffball. It, I, it, I don't even think it got a theatrical release, but it, it still has the same. Um, he captures the same sort of feeling that he did 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, my second director is, um, Michael Creighton for, um, Westworld. Cool. (laughs) Totally love the guy. Um, God bless. He's, he's gone now. He died last year. And an amazing talent. I mean, cause he was a very capable filmmaker. He did Westworld. Mm -hmm. He did, Looker, the Andromeda, Andromeda strain. Yeah, yeah, you know, he was a very, very capable filmmaker. Now, coupled with the fact that he was, you know, everybody thinks awesome Jurassic writer. Park was the first CGI movie, and mm-hmm. in fact, Jurassic Park was uh, not the first CGI. If you look at 3D CGI, you go back to Young Sherlock Holmes in 1985. Mm-hmm. That 3D is CD. Okay, <laughs> tongue twister. 3D CGI, 1985. 2D. Now let's go back to 2D. 2D Tron. was back in Westworld <laughs> with the um, point of view of the gunslinger. It was the very first mainstream movie that featured 2D CGI. That was CGI. It looked like it was just um, infrared. 
Yeah, it was CGI. It was, cool. It's considered the first. <laughs> um, excellent movie. Um, it's been it's been spoofed on so how many times? It's from, being remade right now too. Um, even the Simpsons, Simpsons did it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Itchy and Scratchy World. Uh, great movie. Uh, Yul Brenner, who was the inspiration for um, John Carpenter and his creation of Michael Myers. Hmm. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, cool. The 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 unrelenting killer. Yes. Who just would not stop and couldn't be killed. Very cool. A lot of a lot of great things that came out of this movie. I love the love the uh, early seventies hmm. futuristic architecture, which I talked about in the last uh, podcast. Hmm. Um, ad nauseum. I won't say it anymore. Um, Good call. <laughs> but I, I I actually enjoyed the book a lot more than the movie because I read the book when I was a kid and yeah I found the movie a little bit um, slow and a couple of spots in it where it's like well duh why would you do that but yeah it was still neat having killer robots <laughs> indeed and if you want to uh, continue your Westworld um orgy of, of fun you can um, watch beyond westworld or oh, future world first mm-hmm. future world came out with um peter fonda about five years later in 78 and then there was a uh, beyond westworld which went for i think three no five shows in 1980 and they actually filmed seven but i can't see the other two they they canceled it after five but um mm-hmm. It was a great concept. I think they could have done a lot more. I, w- I would have loved to see Medieval World, and um, there mm-hmm. was t- there was four parks in the movie, or yeah. three parks. Oh. I have more mail. <laughs> <laughs> medieval yeah, Roman winners. Medieval and Roman yeah. World. That would have been yeah. cool. We oh, like, yeah. you, that could have been a spin-off movie. Oh yeah, totally. Like Michael Creighton, he should have just stopped writing books and just done this. And um, anyway. No, he shouldn't. He he did a lot. <laughs> yeah, of he did a lot of really stuff, good books. But, um, and if it weren't for his books, we, we wouldn't have a lot of movies. I'm just surprised he didn't yeah. he didn't go in that direction after after these movies. I mean, mm-hmm. Westworld was was a, was a success in '73. It was mm-hmm. it, it. I think it was in the top twenty or top thirty movies. And um, unfortunately, no, he didn't go that way. And that's it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So those are the uh, directors of 1973. As you may have noticed, we've sort of uh, skipped over a few things. We're not doing uh, films genre by genre this time around. We're trying to cut things down so that we're not keeping you prisoner for four hours plus listening to us drone on. Um, <laughs> so um, if you want to take a look at what was sort of the, the critical consensus at the point, we'll have um, Siskel and Ebert's top ten on the show notes at uh, karmophobia at blogspot.com. And um, now we're going to finish things up with our uh, top five picks from 1973. We'll go around in a circle here, one title at a time. And let's start with Ross. 
Number five would be Paper Moon, and unfortunately it displaced another one, but um, I just saw this yesterday, and I was really intrigued by it. I, I loved it. I saw the Paramount title at the beginning, and I, I thought, oh, geez, not another black and white movie by Peter Bedonovich. But it was really, really, really good, and I was captivated by it, and I didn't feel sleepy throughout the whole thing. <laughs> What a rousing endorsement. I didn't feel sleepy through it through the whole thing. I thought it would have had a lot more heart. I thought it was it it, it is. It's a great film. They um Ryan O'Neill and his daughter Tatum, they play well off one another on screen. Um Buck Donovich is at the top of his game. Mm-hmm. Um the supporting cast is great all around. And it it is. It's just a really, really charming film that um I think anybody can sit down and watch and enjoy. Yeah. Um I'll talk a little bit more later, but yeah, my, my number five is Charlotte's Web, the animated feature Excellent. of of the book. Uh, yeah, I had the, uh, the voices of Debbie Reynolds, uh, Paul Lind, who had my favorite line in the movie, and I still remember it today. It's like uh, they're they're all going out to find uh, words for Wilbur to speak, and uh, are trying to get his name, and Paul Lind being a rat goes to the garbage dump and brings back this uh, this wrapper from this food. And uh, he says, how about crunchy munchy? <laughs> it's just brilliant. Alrighty then. It was one of the only three movies by Hanna-Barbera that wasn't um, based upon one of their original concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, the other two being Heidi's Song and... Um, once Upon a Forest, which came out at least a decade, la- decade later. Mm-hmm. I, I just enjoyed the movie all to hell. Because uh, when I was when I was in grade school, one of my teachers read us Charlotte's Web. And, uh, of course, everybody's crying in, 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 the, in, in the class. And at the, end of, at the end of reading the book, she brought in the movie for us to watch. Yeah. And yeah. it, it really, it really pulled our heartstrings. Man, mm-hmm. I man, I bawled my eyes out when I saw this when I was three or four years old. And Alan saw it when he was minus two, minus three. I've never seen it. Really? No. Oh my! I've goodness. seen the remake, but I haven't seen it. But keeping up with Disney, mm-hmm. um, Hanna Barbera uh, decided to cash in on the sequel craze, mm-hmm. and there was uh, Charlotte's Web two, Wilbur's Great Adventure. Uh, see, I never saw that, and i i have no I have no desire to see it because for me, it is just Charlotte's Web. But don't tell me how Charlotte what happens to her because we we're spoiler free. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, my number five is Brian De Palma's Sisters. Um, I don't know what more to say. It uh, stars Margot Kidder in a very uh, early performance. Um, I guess this would be before Black Christmas, even definitely before Superman. And it also stars Jennifer Salt, who became Eunice on Soap, and Charles Durning as well. This is just, it's just a really great Hitchcockian um, style thriller. you got um, Bernard Herrmann doing the musical score, same as Hitchcock, and you see De Palma developing the style that he would become so famous for. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised by it. I, I, I kind of enjoyed it when, when you suggested that we watch it. Um, great performance by Margot Kidder. Yeah. Uh, I liked her French accent in it. Thought it was kind of sexy. She was really cute, and she doesn't get. You don't see Margot Kidder 
Kidder <laughs> playing cute on screen very often. Yeah. Your number four, Ross. My number four is Fantastic Planet. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've already talked about this a lot in the sci-fi special. Um, I can basically, yeah. Uh, it's if you want to hear more about my my um, my heartfelt feelings towards Fantastic Planet. It's a French film and. Um, it it's uh, animated, lots of nudity, lots of <laughs> TNA. Um, I think there's a lot more to the movie. Um, you got to watch it well, again. Yeah, because when I remember seeing it when I was a kid, yeah, I was all like, "Woo, there's a lot of nudity in this." But yeah. then I found it really disturbing. Yeah, it was. It so was, was like, for an animated movie. On with this? And it wasn't rotoscope. It was actual animation. <laughs> a lot of the, the stuff. stain. Oh my. <laughs> There is some rotoscope in there, I think, too, but um, it, it really, really, it really affected people in in a way that even live action did not affect, could not affect you in the same way. And I, I, I kudos for that. And and I only discovered it later on in life after the TNA sort of became like, um, you know, it wasn't the biggest draw yeah. to it. Well, the, the first time I saw it was on like late night television. On one of the uh, the channels that that I got at home, and yeah, that's why I watched it because immediately as soon as I turned there, it was like boobs. I was like, "Hey, okay, I'm here." Yeah. <laughs> My number four is Badlands, a movie we've already discussed quite a bit. Very cool, nice call. Uh, my number four is Paper Moon, uh, the one that we've all we've all <laughs> chatted here about already. Number and number three. three was Sleeper for me. I really <laughs> enjoyed Sleeper. Um, Obviously, much more than I did. <laughs> no, I come on. It, I think it was good. I think some a lot of it. Well, a lot of it was outdated nowadays. But he he really took it. There's a lot. There's a lot of humor to that. Come on, the orgasmatron was <laughs> awesome, man. And Rags the dog. You have to admit though those are those are two punchlines in the movie that are classic now. Even well, the, the orgasmatron is not sort of uh, derived from that thing in Barbarella where they had her in the machine and they were oh, the, yeah uh, the sex organ or yeah. whatever that was. Yeah, yeah. It, it was just. It, but but Woody Allen made it so so. People would just wander wander into that thing and just come out after, and it was like two, after two minutes or a minute. It was it was just perfect. It was it was great. You gotta you gotta see it to know you, what I'm talking and about. You you see a version of this in um, uh, Sandra Bullock, Sylvester Stallone, Demolition Man. Yes, where they put the little thingies on their the heads. shells. No, the shells are in the toilet. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> if you're using it for something else, you're just sick. <laughs> Anywho, but there's a lot of there's a lot of other jokes like when he gets into the car and and there's a paper in the back seat and they don't they don't like pan over to the paper or anything but uh, yeah, it just is Pope has yeah 1995 Pope has twins and it was just <laughs> like these little things that he added in the movie that were, that were so true to happen. 30 years later. Well, the Pope didn't have twins 30 years later, but it's just our society, our obsession with these little crazy little things in the world that have no real 
meaning, right? I, like I said, I, I enjoyed it, I, I, but it, I didn't love it by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. But there, there were things in it too. Like there was some really ham-fisted running jokes, like the the security dudes in the red van, whatever the hell they were called, yeah. with their little plungers that always made something so that else something else was blow supposed up. to. And yeah, and like that's the, I, I didn't have a problem with uh, like the message. I had a problem with the acting. Yeah. And yeah. I guess we're just going to have to agree that you're wrong. Dan Keaton was cute. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, I enjoyed her. Anyhow, let's move along here. My number three would be Enter the Dragon by Bruce Lee. And I'm gone. <laughs> I loved it. Come on. It, it's a classic martial arts movie. I've got nothing. I mean,. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar versus uh, Bruce Lee. Yeah, um, there's paint to dry. Wasn't that five? He had to go up five stories in a in a temple. Uh something. It's been a little while since I actually saw it. Yeah, I, I, I got it on five... DVD, but I haven't watched it for a while. Do you think it was more about? Do you think more people saw it because it was his last film? I or... I would think so. Yeah. But yeah, he was he was a uh, he was a he living was legend at the, time, at the time. But yeah. Yeah. Well, my number three proves that my my tastes for animation are a little bit more pedestrian than the, the others in the room. My number three is Walt Disney's Robin Hood. It's my favorite Disney film. Oh, lally, oh, lally, oh, lally, golly, what a day! <laughs> I love, love that. that movie, man. It's the best. There's just there's nothing about it that I don't love. Peter Ustinov is hilarious as uh, Prince John sucking his thumb all the time, and <laughs> and um, it just Lady Cluck. Everything about this movie, just it fucking, I love it. It, and I have as long as I can remember. Like, yeah, I was, you know, I wasn't even born when this came out, but I, I, I love it anyhow. <laughs> I wasn't even born. Uh, yeah, I remember watching this just uh, a couple months ago at work. I put it on for one of the clients I work with, and yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot more than they did because they fell asleep. But yeah, it was it was fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I liked it. I I can't tell if the top grossing film was this based on the re-release or did it come out this year? So Robin Hood probably made eighteen million with its real releases too. So it came out in nineteen seventy three though. Yeah, it it was one of the post. Well, it was one of the ones made after Disney passed away, wasn't it? I, I mean, hope so. It came out in 73, right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I thought you were disputing the fact that it was a 1973 film. But I, I'm, I'm just wondering, because it's number seven in the top grossing films, but there's a little asterisk beside it that says, after three theatrical reissues. After theatrical reissues. I don't think it was reissued theatrically, though, like in the 80s or 90s. Oh, yeah, it did. It came out. Theatrically? It came out, yeah. It came out a lot came out on DVD every other Until the end of the 80s, it came out every few years. But absolutely, yeah, it was a great movie. I love it. Your number two, Ross. My number two is Lost Horizon. Now, a lot of you don't know about this movie. It's um, really hard to find. And, in fact, I haven't seen it except for on the big screen back about 15 years ago. Wow, what a crazy fantastic movie that is lost horizon um had a lot of great actors in it peter finch john gilgood liv ullman sally kellerman olivia Hussey, charles boyer george kennedy michael york and you thought michael york was good in 
Logan's Run. No. Or Three Musketeers. And Three Musketeers. Ooh, music Lost. by Burt Bacharach. <laughs> music <laughs> by Burt Bacharach and Hal David. It was 150 minutes? Holy yes. Shit. It was the um, – they tried to do the um, – they tried to do a a uh, Wizard of Oz sort of musical where the first part was very straightforward, and in the middle there was then the the singing and dancing started. Um, it failed miserably. There was a lot of terrible reviews. There, Pauline Kael did a really bad. Um, she said something terrible about it. Um, she said it was a middle-class geriatric utopia where you can live indefinitely, lounging and puttering around for hundreds of years, and the Orientals are kept in their places. And no blacks are among the <laughs> residents. There's probably no way to rethink this material without throwing it all away. Um, there was another reviewer, I believe from the LA Times, who said that it should have came. In, it should have come in a garbage can. Um, it, it just. It was the. It was the it was the end of the musicals, basically, ten years after musicals ended, and um, there was a lot of money put in this movie, and you could see it, and there was a lot of real showboating, and if you have an opportunity to see it, you should see it. So you're endorsing it, this? Yes, I do endorse it. It, it totally holds just, up. Yeah, it holds up more now two. because it was just such. I mean, I could. It's it's like Heaven's Gate, but I can actually stay awake watching it because at least Heaven's Gate. It didn't have there. There's no singing in Heaven's Gate. I mean, I'm guessing that this for you is case. like what Xanadu is for me. It's... Yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. And fancy you putting it in number two spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, my number two is not number two. It is what we've already talked about: Paper Moon. Uh. Again, yeah, can't say much more than we already have about it. It's just a great movie. Uh, my number two, again, one we've spoken quite a bit of, is uh, Nicholas Rogue's Don't Look Now with uh, Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie. Just amazing, amazing filmmaking um, stuff that um, really kind of st- it started speaking the film language that I think that we that we use today, like visually and um and narratively and just it's so cool it played it you know it it's it's a film that actually dared to play with timelines a little bit um mm-hmm. before pulp fiction kind yeah of thing. yeah and the the one of the problems i had with it though was that creepy blind psychic i ever since i was a kid you know i was just yeah. it's like one of the most benevolent characters in i know the movie. i know after watching it now fully and completely and in she one really sitting. She really did a good blind. She did, yeah. she did it really well, though. Yeah. Uh, but when I was a kid, she gave me nightmares. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's not even counting the little dwarf and the with the knife and the... Yeah. It wasn't even a knife. She, like, hacked into Like, it was like a cleaver thing. Yeah, it was kind of weird. But, yeah, that... This movie did give me uh, some nightmares when I was younger. But what was with the day glow blood? I mean, every movie in that was era was was Dayglo. Was it the blood, or was it the was it the type of film? I think it was the special effects or team, or was it some sort of like self imposed censorship that they used because they couldn't make it look realistic? Yeah, because I imagine yeah. that if it if it got too real looking, then you'd flip up into the X rating, and then you wouldn't have yeah. a distributor. Hmm. 
Truly, well, I can't. I, mean, I can't. I can't elaborate more on where I saw the blood coming from. But I mean, it just—it was so. It—it uh, it looked so. That was the only part that I thought was, yeah. wasn't real. Well, especially, I mean, the color red is so um, prevalent in this movie, and it's—it's—it's it's, it's, um, the color red is almost a character in the movie. Yeah. And yeah, to see the blood there, that's it's got that pinkish. Um, well, Hammer Films had had, had well, the same. So kind did of um, sort of... look at uh, Dawn of the Dead, the original uh, yeah. George Romero one. Like the, like, it's like, are you bleeding bubble gum? Like, what the fuck is that shit? Like, it just yeah, it, it it doesn't look right, and it does take you out a little bit. But I think you have to sort of give um, give it the grace of its time and yeah. and and enjoy for for what an amazing film it is. This was the only thing that suspended my belief. When I saw the the murders take place in the movie, it was I completely would have we didn't, like that was the only thing that sort of jolted me back into saying, oh, "Okay, this is a movie, not not real life." Well, also in keeping with what you were bringing up about you know all of the don't films for back then, this absolutely bucks that. I mean, it has "don't" in the title, but I mean the pacing is very deliberate. Uh, There's nothing. You know, it's it's not a boo movie. It's not trying to 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 you know scare Startle you that you way. At any point. It's yeah. very heady. It's very um, um, very internalized. It's 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 so cool. It just yeah. it, mm-hmm. love it. And your number one, Ross, drum roll. My number one is uh, something we haven't talked about. It's called the Holy Mountain, and it's by Alejandro. Jodorowsky. Um, this guy who did um um oh what other films has he done? He did Santa Sangre. One of my favorite Santa Okay, I know who you're talking about. This guy, this guy rocks. This guy is one messed up dude. He made a he made a movie back in '73, and you'd swear that the whole cast and the film crew was um high on peyote or something. Oh, they probably were. Probably, but it. <laughs> You have to watch this movie on the same sort of uh, wavelength. Oh, um, the dude. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. I, I I I judge movies by how much they move 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 me or or the viewer. And this movie really moved me. There was a lot of unsettling scenes in that. If we could say, "Don't look now," had unsettling scenes. This movie was. Was on a, a constant barrage of unsettling scenes. I can't say it was a good good movie in terms of story or or acting anything else. It, but otherwise, in terms of memory, it something you walk away from and think about afterwards. This movie knocked it out of the ballpark. It was just it sounds way out like there. Um, it sounds like soft sangre in that it's very surreal, very yeah. um, um, Brunel like Louis Brunel. 30, 40 years ago, he he did a lot of similar that kind shit. of dreamlike yeah. narrative. Yeah, yeah. Um, very hard to find on on DVD or VHS. I don't think it's even available. I think Anchor Bay did something uh, a few years ago, but it's it's unavailable now. A um, lot of really strange stuff going on. I can't really get into explaining this story. There's apparently an Anchor Bay version of the D. There's an Anchor Bay DVD out there. Um, if you can find it, go for it. Take it, rent it, and uh, take a look at this. Um, that's no, it my. Uh, cool. I would really like to see that I, movie. I there you go, and I discovered uh, a little gem that now has my curiosity pretty peaked. 
Hmm. Um, my number one movie is one that is rather well known. Actually, we've already talked about it. Uh, the Sting. Really? Yep. Wow. Wow. I just I enjoyed the flow. Like it it moved so smoothly for me. I just I that sounded kind of disgusting and should be talked about in the bathroom. Yeah, it but... sounds like you coming out of the bathroom after work, dude. <laughs> Uh, it was in the it was it was a depression film, right? Yeah, I I like these early seventies depression films. Um, they they didn't do CGI or anything. They actually just went to corners of of a city and filmed, and mm-hmm. there were still remnants of that era. Yeah, you could see that in Paper Moon a lot too, mm-hmm. especially at the end where they went to um, was it Port James or Saint or James? Saint Joe. Saint Joe. Yeah, um, you could see that too. It it just had a really cool look to it and you and you see mm-hmm. recent movies that try to uh um try to capture that too that era i'm thinking of king kong and it's just it's just a big looks... jumble of 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 cgi you could just see that mm-hmm. it's too much too forced upon you right yeah because everybody's used that that one street on the back lot of the paramount studios for so often, for so many different TV shows and movies, that everybody's seen it, so they have to do something new now. But Paper Moon was filmed in those cities. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know that's what I'm saying. But like uh, now, they have they have to do CGI but, because of that. But because a lot of these area, a lot of these places are gone. They're yeah. they're torn down. It's not. Well, just... I know that the 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 town that I grew up in, like for my first five years, uh, they could have shot Paper Moon there. Yeah. It looked like Same that. Same as mine, yeah. Yeah, because I come from a very small town. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, like we had a little general store that could bank, have been used by... The department store. No, uh, we had a general store. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, it, it, it could have been used in, in the movie. It, it looked that good. Now, though, I went there this summer. It's really sad and long apart. But yeah, the sting. Very cool. Awesome. Uh, my number one, nobody, nobody's going to see this one coming. <laughs> uh, the Exorcist. I love The Exorcist. <laughs> it's I, I think it's still one of the best movies ever made. Um, Jason Miller, Max von Sydow, Ellen Burstyn, Linda Blair. Everybody is just top-notch. Uh, William Freakin pulls out all the stops. Um, like he, top-notch special effects in there, oh, too. Stan, Stan Winston did the special effects for it. It just it, it it just it is an amazing piece of of film. It was a movie that I remember wanting to see for so long and not being allowed to, and then when I was finally able to, was far too inebriated to enjoy it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but but you know as as video became more available and and everything, it was it was one of the first DVDs I ever bought. I've bought in the damn DVD three times because they keep putting out new new issues. <laughs> um, it's actually one of my or my version of it is one of your earlier versions yeah. that that you gave to me yeah. after rebuying it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the Exorcist. That's that's it. That's what I got. Awesome. I I rather enjoy that movie too. Uh, even the little uh, scare. Uh, one frame yeah. that they subliminal had in there. shots little subliminal yeah. face yeah yeah it just it, it's amazing it's it's a movie like i think it it's so notorious now that i think that if you were a kid going in to sit down and watch the exorcist you'd be like when when, when the fuck's anything going to happen 
there's that whole um, pre, uh, prelude in Iraq that, you know, doesn't really make any sense again until the very, very end of the movie. And I, I can see with where, you know, coming in with new eyes, you might think that this isn't going to pay off, but stick with it because it, it has um, just a visceral and emotional payoff that, that you just, you don't get that anymore. Yeah. And this is a movie that scared a fucking world for the longest time. You know, there was the whole, you know, is God dead time cover. Um, you know, just everybody, I think, was questioning their faith. And and this really tapped into that. And it probably really also uh, introduced a lot, of, a lot of people to exorcism. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. Uh, it was probably one of the lesser known things in the, in the church. All of a sudden, bam, it's front page news. Yeah. So there you go. Um, any general comments from anybody about 1973 before we close out? Hmm. I am glad that we're not watching any more of the crappy movies. <laughs> but I still, I still wish we had more time to watch the ones that I missed, like Cleopatra Jones yeah. and Day of the Jackal. And... Yeah numerous others that were that, that are on my list and I've, I've got them to watch but i just ran out of time oh absolutely and i mean this is a like i said this is a sort of a period in film history that i am not as um proficient with well versed yes and um so i'm 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 really glad that i got a chance to visit some of these movies that i may not yeah. have otherwise um gotten around to Anything? No, absolutely. It, it was. Um, I mean, I the only thing I saw from 1973. It wasn't even 1973. It was the Poseidon Adventure, but I saw it in 73 in a drive-in theater, and um, that's the only thing I remembered about cinema and getting to go back and and reviewing a lot of the a lot of the movies that actually came out and and discovering new ones like Scarecrow, which I had never heard about. Coffee. Was, yeah, and yeah. coffee and yeah. Cleopatra Jones. Incredible stuff. And um I'm glad to have seen it. And and I, I it kinda of puts me in we we look at our, our current we look at ourselves now as, as the as as a as a certain time and place. But you go back even thirty, forty years ago and you, you see a time and place that isn't very far removed from where you are now. And you we we look at internet and and cell phones and and current technology is putting us beyond everything else in the past. You look a lot of you look at a lot of movies that happened in the early seventies, and you're not very far removed. Um, I, I, yeah, I can't explain that much more than we're still dealing than, with the same issues. Yeah, we are. Yeah, it's just a little bit different, but uh, yeah, same issues. I think even in terms of the films, films though, I think that um, the, the the stories are told to us differently back then i think that there's more expected of the audience than there is now um not everything is spoon-fed you do no. have to pay attention you do have to um stay with it. it 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 was made at a time where it wasn't expecting you to be on your cell phone texting people while you were watching the movie well, or sitting on your laptop good or... point because soylent green was something that you would go see just to see the ending it it was out there that this movie had a great ending, but nobody knew that. Well, knew what Soylent Green was, yeah. and nowadays 
you can't have a movie like Southern Green because you would be on the internet and you'd find out two months before it came out um, what what it was all about. People went because it was it was the hype, it was the expectation of what was going to happen in the movie, and you can't you can't do that anymore. It's very hard to at least. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. very good. So that wraps things up for 1973. Um, our next year is going to be uh, 1982, which uh, oh, it's going to be, be like a two two months. <laughs> it's going to be really long. There's uh, a lot of good movies in that year. Uh, that was the year I started high school. Yeah, crazy. High school. I know you were just in kindergarten. I know. <laughs> I thought you were getting your PhD that year. <laughs> Anywho, yes, on that note, so. Um, we shall sign out here. Remember, if you want to leave us any comments, um, you can make comments at hermophobia.blogspot.com. Or send us an email at hermophobia at gmail.com. And like I said, we're going to be talking about 1982 next. So if there's anything that you would like to have us mention or think that we should see that, um, before sitting down to talk, uh, please leave us a message at either of those places and let us know. Awesome. Thank you. So um, that's it. Bye for now. Bye. Bye-bye. Never ever thinking there was danger in the water they were drinking, they just guzzled it down. Never dreaming that a scheming sheriff and his posse was watching them and gathering around. Robin Hood and Little John running through the forest, jumping fences, dodging trees, and trying to get away. Contemplating nothing but escaping, finally making it oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day. Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day.